Hello, this is Mike Harbath with another Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct here from uh, Revenue Rocket headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. Today, we're going to talk about how to manage employee expectations and communications when you're buying another IT services company. And uh, joining me today for uh, today's podcast is my partner, Ryan Barnett. Ryan? Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having us today. You know, this is a topic that we hear quite a bit is who should be involved uh, uh, when you're buying a firm. Uh, there, You want to have your right strategy in place and you want to have the right tactics in place in everything from formulating the idea to implementing the tactics and, and getting things done. So, um, Mike, just want to kind of pick your brain on this and understand, you know, who should be involved when you're buying another firm. Uh, let's start with the kind of the executive team. And maybe even the, the start, uh, what's the role of the CEO um, and uh, when you're starting to think about an acquisition and what's the role of that uh, CEO? Yeah, I, you know, I would say that the role of the CEO when you're thinking about buying another company is to sort of be, you know, provide a heavy, uh, steady hand on the tiller. Uh, and that steady hand on the tiller will involve bringing in uh, various members of the management team. And making sure everyone's in alignment that this is a strategic initiative that you're going to undertake. Uh, sounds like a simple thing, but you need to have everybody on board in the executive leadership team in order to have this be effective. Now, I think broader communication about the overall direction of the firm as part of your strategic planning <clears throat> to the rest of the company, uh, giving them some guidance on where you're taking the business is also appropriate. But I think it's oftentimes easy to, you know, try to pull in all kinds of people in this uh, process when it can be a distraction to their core job in the business. In the business, so you know, to recap, the CEO uh, is really to its role is to kind of oversee the process and to set direction and to make sure that um you know you have key alignment in the organization as this is a, a strategic uh, move that you should make yeah i think uh, the other role to the ceo is that they have to be the, the chief cheerleader to make sure that that, that that alignment but they also have to have um i think key parts in the banking relationships or financing relationships uh well they may not have the financial um the papers they're going to be the ones that are, are setting those relationship with other investors to perhaps that need to be do, uh, uh, brought in for uh, any kind of an investing type uh, uh, financing. Yeah, whether that be you know equity or debt financing, I think that's a good point, Ryan. You know the how you're going to fund your transaction, you have to be thinking about that, and certainly you're going to be leveraging your CFO or financial lead um, in the discussions with those banks and investors. But understanding the ramifications of those investment options and how you will be uh, encouraging or soliciting those investments in order to fund a transaction is also very critical for the CEO and and really uh, them as well as the CFO and or the you know financial leadership inside the business. Sure, I think the other part that's worth of the discussion is and and let's switch gears a little bit and we'll ultimately come back is. What's the role of a, a typical corp dev person or uh, someone who is typically in charge of corporate uh, M&A? Now, what's their role with this? And, and the reason why I'm going to ask and circle around is uh, if a, a seller is working with a corporate development person, 
you know, are they ultimately the, the decision maker? And what are the what's the the role between the CEO and, and corp dev in a well running organization uh, that's doing an acquisition? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So, um, you know, you need a corporate development function. Some companies try to roll their own corporate development function by multitasking a senior, the senior leadership team. Uh, we think that's a, a failed strategy, and that's proven out in the statistics that say that companies that try to do that only get um, about 1% of the M&A transactions done that they target to do. So it's a very low probability that you're going to get a, a deal successfully negotiated. And corporate development plays a critical role, whether they're representing a buyer or a seller. And, and the right deal would be to have a corporate development function um, representing both the buyer and seller. Um, you know, companies like Revenue Rocket play that function for our what we call buy side clients, for our, our clients that are looking to acquire a firm. We are, uh, in many ways, an outsourced corporate development function. Um, and thus, uh, you can minimize the distraction of the team while you're looking for companies to acquire or working on the negotiations of a deal. Um, likewise, a lot of sellers are represented by um, a broker or that plays the corporate development function. And, um, you know, they can play a critical role as well in representing that not only their client for sale, but also playing a role as an intermediary. And, you know, we believe that there is certainly a key role for an intermediary or in some cases, multiple intermediaries in order to help uh, get a transaction done and knowledgeable intermediaries, whether they be your internal corporate development department and outsourced corporate development department like Revenue Rocket, you know, or even leveraging the seller's uh, broker as someone that can be an intermediary is a good idea. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And if you combine those two roles, it seems like the the CFO or finance fits in the in the in the middle there. And again, on a on a when we're looking at acquiring a business, what's the role of that finance and and who who should be involved uh, within within a finance team? Yeah, that's a good question. So certainly understanding um, you know corporate finance um, and good financial um, uh, advice is critical um, when you're looking at doing an M and A. Uh, transaction and communications with them. Oftentimes, you'll be outsourcing that role to a CPA or someone who's done outside valuations. And you know, <clears throat> certainly, if you have a corporate development function, um, you'll have a financial lead that can run uh, a valuation and review a company. If you've outsourced it um, to um, you know to a outsource corporate development function, they can do that. Uh, but the internal finance lead will also have to look at what the impact of that acquisition will be to the cash flow of the business, right? So, you know, if you're, especially if you're going to achieve debt financing, can you, can you afford this investment? And how will it impact your overall cash flow? And, you know, do some scenario planning, I think, is a healthy exercise. And their role uh, in doing that is critical in your ability to make, uh, you know, good decisions as to the size and type and scope of uh, transaction that you want to do. Sure. So, so if, I, if I understand this correctly, it sounds like a, a corporate development fun, function would serve more like a uh, origination team and perhaps get all the way to uh, a letter of intent. The financial team at that point uh, 
probably giving input to a letter of intent uh, and also looking at how the firm may strategically fit to impact to the financials. And then the CEO is really kind of giving the sign off, the strategic direction and uh, the final approval. Uh, does that make sense? Does that, do you agree with that, Mike? Well, I think that's how many companies uh, see it um, and many companies operate. I think a, a better model, frankly, is to use a corporate dev team or to engage a corporate dev team uh, from the outside to do more um, beyond origination, uh, beyond valuation, and beyond sort of uh, deal negotiation. Everything other than legal work should reside in that function, um, in my opinion. Um, now, not everybody shares that opinion, but certainly we see that in the best in class, most uh, highest performing corp dev teams at, you know, the biggest corporations in the world uh, tend to operate that way. And we think, you know, success leaves clues. So it's a, a reasonable model to um, to replicate, whether it be through your own staff or through outside staff. Okay. Now, switching a little bit, so if that's the kind of the head of the the team or the big C-suite there uh, between CEO and CFO, what's the what's the role of a sales leader or a sales team when evaluating an acquisition? Um, you know, I think their role has much more to do with uh, <clears throat> the leader, the sales leader evaluating um uh, how this additional business uh, could, you know, get to the one plus one equals three as it relates to go to market. And um, it's critically important that you bring in that sales leader on a need to know basis and uh, make sure that they're uh, clear that any, you know, companies that are being evaluated um, most likely you will be um, under non-disclosure, on non-disclosure agreement and that you cannot disclose uh, who uh, you may be looking at to anyone. Not saying that a sales professional would do that, but typically um, sales and sales leadership talk to a lot of people, um, and that's their job, right, is to be well-networked in the business and, and within the uh, client community. And uh, it's critical that everyone understands this has to maintain uh, a sense of um, um, you know, confidentiality here. Uh, it's why we generally recommend that sales members, sales folks that are out carrying a bag and, you know, doing deals, um, aren't necessarily brought into this conversation about an acquisition early. Um, they're typically brought in pretty late. Now, certainly the sales leader, uh, the executive, uh, who is the, um, person running the sales organization, uh, we'll need to know, you know, um, as you're contemplating a letter of intent to acquire a business and can weigh in on the uh, relevance of that acquisition vis-a-vis -vis their go-to-market strategy. And that's a pretty important uh, bit of feedback. But generally, you know, as you get into salespeople and other delivery staff and folks inside the organization, you know, the more people you tell, the more risk that you're going to violate your non-disclosure. And, you know, the rule certainly should be uh, that you're going to bring in people inside your organization regarding a specific deal on a need-to-know basis. And frankly, a lot of people that are out doing the work in your business just don't need to know yet 
Um, they may need to know as you're announcing it uh, or rolling it out a week or so before close, um, you know, or at kind of close. But I think ahead of that, you know, you don't want to give your employees additional distractions to be worrying about, uh, particularly the, the, you know, bag carrying sales team. Yeah, that, that, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, on the flip side, where uh, what do you think happens or what, what should a good marketing team do in this case? Uh, and I'll, I'll give the, I guess, more specific examples. At some point, you, you've got to announce the deal and, and you need to help show some strategic value. And perhaps there's even investor teams involved uh, at that point. Uh, so what's the role of marketing in, in evaluating an acquisition and then perhaps uh, more in the EMI or uh, the rolling out uh, phase of the uh, getting it into the market? Right. So certainly the marketing team will be critical in being able to announce the deal, uh, you know, work with um, uh, any press contacts and roll out press releases, as well as, um, you know, be involved with kind of rebranding, if you will. If there's going to be a wholesale brand change, um, they certainly will be involved with rebranding offerings on the uh, on the seller's part, or at least converging them into the overall go-to-market messaging. Um, of the acquirer. So there is a pretty big lift there, uh, particularly as it relates, you mentioned PMI, post-merger integration. They play a critical role in the post-merger integration sort of communications and marketing step um, that is ongoing beyond sending a press release. Maybe, um, you know, changes to websites and rebranding and redirection and all that stuff is going to land with the marketing team. So I think early planning with the marketing team is pretty critical um, as you know, you're kind of getting close to getting the final definitive agreements negotiated uh, so they can be prepared to do everything that's necessary to, uh, um, you know, put one face to the market. Yeah, I think it's a very tricky balance. Uh, to your point, you can't, if you start to look at these initiatives too early, it's very easy for all of these teams to take their eye off running the business. So it's an opportunity that uh, I think you do need that champion that is looking from an external perspective that allows everyone else to to help focus on the business. And perhaps that's why advisory services uh, went through acquisitions help because it's not consuming your everyday life. And, uh, and there's a, also a way for that third party source to, to be the bad guy in a negotiation or be able to push back on things. So I think there's some some very positive uh, things to to use in a third party source. Uh, Mike, what is there a role in, with HR? Uh, where, where does HR come? Is that after post merger integration? Is it before? Can when are some of those personnel type decisions made? Yeah, that's a pretty critical role because depending on the type of transaction, whether it's considered a stock or an asset transaction your uh, HR department needs to be heavily involved. Uh, in an asset deal, you know, you're essentially um, hiring all of those employees onto your paper and they're going to get released from the seller and hired by the buyer. And, you know, that, that requires a fair amount of education and handholding with those employees that are coming on. We've certainly seen some challenges with that as it relates to non-competes and how they have to settle non-competes with their former employer and how they get signed as part of the new employer. And, you know, your lawyer can advise you on a lot of those details, uh, but they need to be heavily involved in that 
uh, process, particularly if you're doing an asset transaction. On a stock transaction, it's a little less important um, because uh, you're inheriting those employees as part of buying the stock of the business, and you will not need to repaper the employees per se. Um, we have seen a few more stock transactions recently because of people taking advantage of IRS 1202 exemptions uh, for capital gains, and so um, certainly those are are becoming more uh, used more uh, for uh, the types of companies we work with in IT services. Um, but either way, you know the HR department is going to be critical, play a critical role because most likely they're going to get questions from insiders inside your business uh, that are looking for inside skinny. Hey, I heard that we're buying so-and-so. What do you know about it? Right. And so making sure that they're um, certainly uh, you're bringing in HR team members on a need to know basis. And as I mentioned before, emphasizing the confidentiality of the transaction to be super important, but they will play a critical role, particularly in an asset deal. Sure. Sure. And the last department I'm, I'm thinking about, and perhaps this is different than others, is engineering, product, technical, or even IT teams. A COO of a company is going to be looking at a acquisition, I would say, fairly early to understand how delivery uh, may be impacted. Uh, but any perspective on, on some of those operation type roles? Yeah, a lot of that comes down to, you know, doing the post-merger integration planning with them and following a methodology that works and doing it early. I mean, we have a post-merger integration charter that we make freely available to the market. And anyone that's interested in learning more about that can just drop us a note at info at revenuerocket.com. And we'll be happy to send you that charter. It outlines everything that's needed uh, to facilitate post-merger integration. And, uh, you know, certainly those operational and finance functions have to be aligned on how they're going to execute on that post-merger integration, you know, operational details uh, once the kind of once the deal is done. And pre-planning there is pretty critical. So I think, you know, certainly you're going to be bringing them into that conversation as you're getting closer uh, to close and as you're negotiating the final agreements um, and having a plan that they can begin to work on day one is certainly going to uh, help ensure the success of the deal. Yeah, and I think uh, perhaps the alternative view on that is that uh, you're very uh, outgoing technical or let's say you run a product team. They may be the ones driving the the acquisition. So they may be looking for the target list. They may know the market and the competitors uh, better than anyone else. So kind of cozying up with corporate development team makes a lot of sense. Uh, if they can find kind of the strategic initiatives uh, on some of our buy side clients, I think some of the, the people that are first on the list are the division leaders or the practice leaders. And those practice leaders, um, in a way, become kind of the de facto CEOs as well. Um, while they may not be the, the person who signs and check, uh, they might be, have a lot of pull within the organization. And even some of those larger organizations, they may not even involve a board or CEO until there's a $50 million type acquisition in place. So uh, I, I can see uh, some of those division leaders starting to play a, a bigger role. Well, like anyone else uh, in, in the process or well, any I, thoughts on that? Just to mention, you know, now that most firms uh, or many firms are using cloud-based infrastructure, making changes in infrastructure uh, has become much easier. Used to in, uh, in the past, 
when there was a lot of premise-based technology, it can get, you know, just getting that stuff transferred over could have been uh, rather challenging. Now it's less challenging. And certainly uh, we find that most of our clients uh, are having a fairly easy time sort of pivoting the infrastructure of the combined business, provided they're using similar systems. Uh, if they're not, they have to work through a transition plan uh, to move off of a particular system and onto, you know, a core system. It's usually the one that the uh, acquirer, your business is, is using. So, you know, some planning there, and again, led by the PMI or the post-merger integration uh, team and charter would be important. Agreed. Agreed. So um, to, to sum this up, it'd be great to understand who knows, you know, who needs to be in the know when. So if we're looking at origination, the people who are involved are there are really kind of the strategy has to be set up by the CEO and the division leaders to, to understand who you're going to go target and why and corporate development's going to know that so really kind of a core group of team that starts out that project it seems from there you're going to start involving finance uh teams so uh, once the target has been identified and they've been building financial models uh, you're going to be involving that team for kind of the financial planning analysis as well as the financing type uh, options from there, you're, you're going to be able to bring in perhaps an operations and HR teams nearly the same time uh, because they are going to be evaluating the impact of the, the people, the personnel, processes that are going to be used in the, uh, the continuing operation. Then um, marketing after that, uh, essentially to help uh, uh, kind of piece together the public facing view of everything. And then uh, uh, salespeople sound like, a, in your view, might might be completely optional, and <laughs> except for evaluating the sales team talent. Uh, but essentially, trying not to blow up the deal is their only job in 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 the deal itself. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, is that kind of the best timeline that you can think of, or is that's what you're thinking? Absolutely. And I think with that, we'll tie a ribbon on it uh, for this week's podcast uh, at Revenue Rocket. Thanks a lot, and have a great day.